Welcome to the Estates Made Simple podcast. I'm Jenna Carvello with Guardian Estate Company, and I'm here with co-host Gordon Vanderleek from Vanderleek Law. We are on a mission to simplify the world of estate administration and give and give executors the tools they need to do their jobs properly. Um, so, Gordon, I'll let you throw in the little legal disclaimer here. Yeah, we want to just make it clear to uh, to our viewers and listeners that uh, we provide information and and hopefully useful information to executors and other people who are involved in estate administration, but it doesn't establish um, a professional relationship that requires a retainer and typically a credit card. So if there's a specific situation that you're wondering about, um, treat this podcast and this information uh, and the information provided as an introduction and not legal advice or professional advice that requires us to know your situation more and to be formally retained uh, on that. But yeah, I think we, uh, with that out of the way, we're we're chatting before we hit the record button that this is uh, a bit on the hot seat for for me, but I look forward to that. It, It reminds me of being in court and suddenly the you know, you're you're playing the role of the judge and throwing me questions that you kind of have to answer on the spot. So um, I, I guess I don't have the ability to call a friend if you throw me a zinger, but we'll, uh, uh, so a little unscripted, but uh, but that's good. Uh, hopefully that's, uh, we, we get into a good conversation, I think on the topic of testamentary intent. So tell us a little bit about kind of why you, th- your, your thoughts on the topic or a bit of your background um, or some introductory comments on the the concept of testamentary intention. Yes. Well, when we think of testamentary intention, we think of a formal will. Um, You know, somebody drafts a will or gets a lawyer to draft a will uh, with two witnesses and we lay out our intentions very clearly and and it's easy for the executor to follow. Um, But what we're chatting about today is what if there's additional notes uh, that the executor, that the testator had left in their home? Or what if there's changes right on the will itself, scribbled out changes? Um, We want to talk about how that affects the estate administration should it be taken into account and uh, and how legal are those other you know little notes here and there that um, it's quite common to to find in an estate so that's why we're putting you on the hot seat today Gordon we're asking an estate lawyer um, and uh, and yeah hopefully I can I can challenge you a little bit Um, so I know the law has recently changed with respect to testamentary intent Um, would you give us an overview of those changes sure in terms of the new wills and succession act that came in that was in February of 2012 so been around a little over a little over a decade but there's also been evolving case law on the issue of what does the court look at and what doesn't it look at it in in a formal sense what is admissible what's not admissible um on for example if there's a hearing and people are fighting about well what was the deceased's intent um so the reality is under the current law the court will sort of bend over backwards to enforce or or to implement somebody's intent if, if if there's clear and compelling evidence of what that intention is so they relaxed some of the rules the evidentiary rules with regard to what they're going to look at so they'll begin to look at more information with regard to well the deceased person said this or they did that right there is a line there and there's certainly cases in which they go well it's just not it didn't cross that line i can't you know it's not good enough um and and it and and 
what appears to be their intent might fail by by order of the of the court, but they can look at extrinsic evidence and be able to a bit more relaxed rules to be able to examine broadly the issue of well what did the person intend and allow other parties to you know to introduce evidence to say well this is what i think he intended right so there may be other people who say yeah he always talked about doing this so evidence has to be corroborated and there's specific rules about that under the evidence act that you have to comply with i don't want to get into the intricacies of that other than to say whereas the law i think was stricter in the past of going well we see this other evidence out there what have he intended but there's nothing we can do about it because it, it doesn't strictly uh comply with um the rules under um under the wills and succession act or the the the, the applicable surrogate rules so a little more relaxed to allow evidence to be adduced with regard to what the person intended of course and maybe it's a good place to start at the outset to say the goal of planning is to avoid all of that, right? And to make sure your will is clearly drafted. And if you have some wishes that they're clearly laid out so we don't get into this, well, I wonder what the person intended, right, uh, with, with regard to that. Of course, this is in the context of interpreting a will and proceeding with that. So that, I think, would be my the first response on saying, okay, there's an opportunity now as lawyers, we can go in and try to build a case of what the person intended um, and present that to the court. And it's more readily received now than what it has been historically. So if I'm an executor and I have in my possession at the original will of the deceased, it's executed properly, has two witnesses, and through the course of cleaning out the deceased's home, I find additional notes that are slightly different than the will. Um, and these are just handwritten notes by the deceased. What should I do? Should I ignore them? Should I look to them? Should I bring them to my lawyer? What What is your advice with that? Oh, always the latter, of course. Uh, <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> um, no, I, actually, I say that somewhat in jest, right? It seems like a self-serving comment, but I think lays the foundation for one of the, uh, the importance of the executor getting appropriate legal advice. Um, as a lawyer looking at it, I'm sort of putting it into two categories or two different camps, if you will. One would be, does it relate to wishes, you know, for example, with personal belongings, right? Oftentimes there's a letter of wishes to say, well, this is where I want it, uh, want it to go. Sometimes the wills, and typically they're drafted to say, please follow some instructions I may have left with regard to things like the distribution of household items or funeral um, wishes, Right. We were just talking earlier that 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 I'm I'm currently in the role of executor or co-executor on on some on, on some estates. And we're just dealing with that situation where I'm looking at the instructions and it was like play these hymns at the funeral. Well, that's not in the will, right? But it's what the person wanted. So you know, they they will in fact carry that out. That'll be part of that celebration of life. Um, so that is almost more detail regarding something that's not specifically addressed in the will, or in the will it refers to, please follow my known wishes or any written instructions regarding this or that. So that doesn't necessarily create a problem, but it's interesting to say there can be other documents regarding intention. When we're talking about the disposition of the estate, it gets a little bit trickier, right? Um, so, and there we could have a situation where the handwriting represents an amendment or a change to the written document to the will, right? So we have the holograph will, and in that situation, if it purports to change something, hopefully a person was astute enough to say, I delete paragraph X 
of the will and replace it with the following. But usually they just write out what they intend, but then we have this clause in the will that says, you know, this is where it goes, right? Um, this person gets the grandfather clock and a handwritten note saying, I want it to go to a different person. Well, then what does the executor uh, do with regard to that? So one of the legal questions would be, are the notes that you find in, in the house kind of instructions for the executor about how to do things and helpful comments about how to exercise their discretion? Or is it dispositive in nature? Do they actually intend to say, well, no, this is what I want to have happen with the grandfather clock. And then it could set up a conflict. Um, so number one, the analysis would be, does it qualify as a holograph will? Just a note to our listeners and viewers, there are some jurisdictions in Canada that don't allow for holograph wills, as I understand it. In Alberta, it does. So we're talking about the Alberta context here. And if it's in the person's own handwriting and you know it's not typed up and it's and it's dated and signed at the bottom with their ordinary signature, that could be a valid will. If it's not clear whether there was an intention to amend the existing will, you may very well have to go to court to get some advice and direction on what to do. And you serve both affected parties or all affected parties with regard to that and then get the direction of the court. Is this valid? Is this not? But one of the jobs that the executor has is to figure out who are the beneficiaries and what do they get. So there may be a circumstance where you go, um, okay, we're not sure about this and we need the court's intervention to produce evidence as to what the intention was. Is this a valid will or not? But it starts with the executor getting a legal opinion on what does that what does that mean? So if there's handwritten notes, you definitely have to look at it. You can't ignore it. And you have to determine, is it, number one, is it a valid legal document? And do you need to take any steps to try to correct it? If you believe that this is what the person wanted, um, maybe you need to come in and do a rectification. What if they messed up a little bit? There is a written document, maybe not in their own handwriting, but it doesn't have the two witnesses. But it appears to give some clear direction, but they didn't quite do it right. So in that circumstance, you would make an application to the court for a rectification of that document, but you'd also have to serve notice on the person affected and sort that issue out. It may require a court application. Again, through proper planning, hopefully you avoid you can avoid those court applications, but that would be the process you would go through. Um, the other thing about your question, you talked about a scenario where there's notes on the will, and I've seen that a lot. People get the original will and they sort of scratch it out and then they write something else in and initial it. Well, yes. the, the, the first position on that is that's not valid, right? That's not a, a formal, a, a proper amendment to the to the will, right? Number one, it doesn't have a signature, so it's not a holograph will. And any codicil or change to the to the will will require compliance with the formality requirements, which means in front of two witnesses signing in their presence with the witnesses attaching their signature in the presence of the person who's who's the author, who's who's whose will it is. So all three parties need to be together and see each other do the do the signing. So um yeah, scratching out initialing is not the case. So that's an, an example where you may have to come in and say, we need the direction of the court to either fix up the will or clarify with regard to the intention, get some direction. And uh, you know, I've been involved in those cases over the years. Hopefully the family gets together and says, well, let's we kind of know what the person wanted if it's mom or dad that passed away and and sort of figure out how things are to be distributed but it can be contested or if third parties are affected um you need the direction of the court so the executor is protected because if you just pick 
one of them, well, what if you're wrong, right? And now you're going to be at the other end of a lawsuit. So unless the person backs off and says, no, 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 I don't want the grandfather clock in my example, you need the direction of the court to say, well, who gets it, right? And and is this a valid document or not? And and then produce that evidence and 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 uh, see what the court will 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 do. And that it's a, that's sort of an example where every situation is so different, as we said at the outset, in terms of the disclaimer uh, about the legal advice, we would need to get in and look at the very specifics of the situations and the actual documents to determine uh, which way you go. But ultimately, if there's confusion or we don't know if the executor is not sure which way to go, there's not a clear legal opinion uh, with regard to that or a challenge to that, then then you 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 have to get in front of a judge to have some direction as to a proper interpretation of of those handwritten notes. So it really sounds like those people that are writing their wills, they need to do it properly to avoid all these issues. So if they have changes that they need to make in their will, go see a lawyer to get either a codicil done or an entirely new will to prevent additional costs and expenses and, and delays with the estate administration and headache for all beneficiaries involved. Yeah, it's interesting. We don't do codicils very much anymore, just with the advent of modern we're processing. It's just easier to do a save as and redo the document and re-sign it. We charge that out as if it was an amendment, uh, you know, kind of just doing a simple one. The issue of the codicil sort of goes back uh, to the days of typewriters and and it was a lot less work to just redo a one make a one page codicil than redo the whole will because somebody a typist had to be there to do the whole thing. It's it's less of an issue, you know, with with modern word processing. Uh, but yeah, think of it like an amendment or an update to the document uh, in in that regard. And uh, typically, lawyers will charge less for the amendment because it's not like as you say, it's a save as and and editing that uh, that document versus starting from scratch as it was in the days of the typewriter. Well, I was involved in an estate several years ago um, where one of the beneficiaries had a voice recording of the deceased, mm-hmm. um, which was completely different than what was outlined in the will. So I know that we talked mainly about written testamentary intent, the, the written you know notes and letters, um, but what about audio? Can that come into account as well? I've I've heard of cases where the court has allowed that evidence. I guess it would depend on the circumstances and the you know how was that obtained? What is it? Is it authentic? Was it doctored? Is it reliable with regard to that? But I I, I it stands to reason that if a court is looking at evidence, it's going to look at all sorts of evidence, right? I mean, obviously there will be people who said I heard the person say this, or here's an email, um, or here's an audio recording, you know, somebody's taking a video of a family event and it happens to capture the person talking about, oh yeah, you're always going to get the grandfather clock. Don't worry about it. I've made a note in the will, right? You know, that might be relevant because the court's striving to say, what what did the person wa- want with regard to the disposition of of their property on their on their death? So it's not a blanket rule to say this sort of evidence is always good in all circumstances. Uh, you have to look at each particular case and and judge it and it could be attacked and it's obviously better for the person not to rely on that to carry out their wishes but in fact you know to to make sure it's done properly and complies with the law of the province that you're or territory that you're in right and 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 figure out what what makes sense in that circumstance but i i think i start with the point of gain of, of saying the court could consider that could it be challenged sure and but 
I could see circumstances under which the court would look at at an audio recording. Yeah, and I think this might get really interesting with uh, AI and the advent of new technology where someone might appear to be talking and saying certain words, but it could be, you know, a computer creating that image. So I, I, I could see there being lots of issues around this. Yeah, exactly. I, I wouldn't think somebody would go to that effort to try to create it. But again, um, I think we've been around in the estate area long enough that uh, nothing sort of surprises us really, right, in terms of the lengths people will go to in some circumstances, right, to to achieve a certain result. And, and utilizing that technology, that would be getting into the details of how it was recorded, who recorded it. Is that person saying, yeah, I, I made a record a recording on my phone and I didn't alter it. It's exactly there. It may need forensic evidence to say, was it tampered with? Was it edited? Is the audio intact? I, I presume there's ways of maybe determining that. Uh, but yeah, sort of fake evidence might might be an issue in the future with AI. It's an excellent point. Yes. And I, I know we chat a little bit about um, best practices, but in terms of a best practice approach, as you mentioned, make sure your lawyer is involved. If, you're, if you've received a couple of different items that are testamentary intentions, consult with a lawyer. Even from a drafting perspective, make sure you're doing your, your will and, and any related documents accurately and prudently. Um, do you have any other best practices, Gord? Yeah. At the end of the day, um, really make, as you said, making sure you're your your documents are current and up to date, right? If you're reading your will and going, well, that's not exactly what I've wanted or I've changed my mind since, well, update it, right? It's actually a relatively straightforward process. And then get some advice of, well, should I put this in a note or should I really have it in the will? And and there's a judgment call there that you can get some professional advice on on the best way to, to do that. And I think the other point I, I guess I would stress is don't be inconsistent, be black and white if you will, not gray, because if you're going to go, well, you know, over here, you say this, but over here, you say that, well, okay, you're setting it up for people to fight. But if you're just clear, this is what I want. Clarity and certainty is better than ambiguity. If you leave it ambiguous, your heirs, your family will, could fight about that. So having certainty with regard to the intent in a lot of these issues, it's not even so much, you know, it's all discretionary. Somebody says, well, I want to give away my stuff, right? Just be clear who's getting it and how they're getting it. And that's where a lawyer can help tighten that up and say, well, don't say that. Um, if you're writing out a note, I would, I would run it by the lawyer and go, is there anything in here that's going to create a problem from an estate administration perspective, right? Because if you go, well, wait a minute, there's actually clauses in the note that should be in the will. So the person's properly protected. Well, that should be in there because you can't just say, well, I want this person to have this much money. Well, that comes out of the hands of the residual beneficiaries, right? So that gift should be in the will. So there is no ambiguity about what your intention is because the executor, I guess point number three is just remember the executor is obligated to follow the will. That's their direction. They don't have a choice to do something different. Uh, they have to follow the will. So we want to avoid a situation where the executor is left going, well, I have to do this, but I know that the person wanted me to do something different. That makes it really uncomfortable for the executor, right? That's not a pleasant experience to feel like you're doing something the person like you're not doing what they wanted. I think most people want to honor a deceased person's wishes. So just make sure you don't create a legal conundrum, right? Where you have conflicting documents on, on that. So if, you know, the advice would be if you if you want to give something to somebody, make it clear. And yeah, you can do it with handwritten notes. But most of the time when I look at those in my years, when they come across my desk, usually they're messed up. They're not done properly. People haven't thought through, they just go, oh, I'm just going to do this. And well, 
get the legal opinion, pay for an hour of the lawyer's time just to give you advice of what to do, and then you know what's going to happen, problem solved. You'll save thousands, if not tens or thousands or, or more of dollars um, going to court and fighting about it. Right? It, it gets expensive and uh, you don't want to leave a vacuum. You don't want to leave ambiguity. So I, I would certainly end with that advice. You can do what you want with your stuff, subject to looking after your, your dependents, but be clear, be black and white and just make a decision. And then if you change your mind, make sure you do it in a correct fashion. So there's clear directions and certainty for the executor as to what to do. So I like that. Be clear and don't be your own lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so and thank you, Gordon. Yeah, that's part of the job of the lawyers to listen and yeah. figure out, well, what does the person want? And then be able to correctly put together the legal documents to make that happen. I mean, that's essentially what we do on the on the estate planning side of it, right? We we know what the end result is and we got to create the legal documents to get to that end result. Right. Well, I, I think you did a great job on the hot seat. Um, I didn't see any beads of sweat rolling down your face. So maybe <laughs> next time I'll be a little harder on you. Um, but out, thank what, you. What, what yes. about this case from 1937? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but thank you. Yeah, for no, being it's a been, it's been a good there. exchange and maybe uh, I like this. Uh, certainly, uh, in, in give us some feedback in, in comments on the YouTube page or, or otherwise messaging off if, if you like this format and, and we can adopt that in future uh, podcast episodes as well. But it was uh, nice to have this exchange. Yes. Well, and for our listeners, thank you for listening and tuning in. Um, please feel free to subscribe on wherever you listen to podcasts. And we are on YouTube, as you mentioned, Gord. So we hope to see our, our listeners there as well. Uh, we look forward to the next episode in uh, a couple of weeks. So we'll, we'll see everyone soon. Bye now. Thanks. Bye.